Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? Just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Now, you know I've been screaming from the rooftops that the period that begins today, September 17th, would be a rocky one. <laughs> So I urge you to take evasive action, maybe raise some cash, maybe even go short if you're a trader. I typically don't do that. Given the market's recent behavior, my only regret is not being even more negative, which is not easily done, frankly, especially after today's total thrashing. Dow sinking 166 points, S&P and Nasdaq both tumbling 0.91%. Sell, 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 sell. But the fact that the averages have already been hit is actually probably the only bright spot I can think of. Yes, the decline has started. The pessimism is getting baked in. In fact, the poll of individual investors this week revealed that negativity, those who've turned bearish, is at its highest level since October of 2000, which was seven months into the dot-com collapse. That's an incredible data point because sentiment matters. When you see this level of negativity, this sentiment, that tells you people are already heading for the hills. Why does that matter? Because we do need to see this kind of capitulation before the market can turn around. To me, it means that as we capitulate, and that is going to happen, you may have to do some buying into any serious decline. And I've got to tell you, the word emphasis on serious. I do have some ideas later in the show, but they're so defensive, you may be bored. I don't want, I don't care about interesting. I care about boring and safety as we head into this decline. This is not a show about trading, but there are times where these historic patterns hold up. And the late September swoon is maybe the most consistent pattern of the last 20 years. So I've been sharing with you for a very long time. And here it is. Each time there's a different reason people sell. Now, I've seen people dumping stocks because they've worried about another debt ceiling crisis, possibly higher rates, all the shortages, supply chain disruptions, make it difficult to do business. We've seen heavy selling and everything from drug stocks where Wall Street freaked out about the Democrats trying to pass price controls, even as the vote eventually failed, to the industrials. They need a stimulus. We don't know what's going to happen. To the travel and leisure stocks that are getting hammered by COVID. The Delta variants hurting Delta and nearly every other part of the travel and leisure food chain. It is ugly out there. That litany doesn't make for a good game plan. But I'm not here to cheer. I'm not here to tell you I like the market. I'm not here to pound the table. I am not a perma bull. I am a bull when I think it's right. 
Okay, so now let's take a look, because, you know, I don't like to pass up opportunities, especially with this level of negativity. Remember, negativity, once again, is good for the bulls, not bad. A market that's negative is a market that's easily impressed. Now, let's start with something I've been neglecting, and that is the looming potential collapse. I know I've been bearish. All right. I know this. But the looming potential collapse of one of China's largest real estate developers, and it's a company called Evergrande. I should have been talking about it a long time ago. Size of this monstrosity is frightening. It's $300 billion in debt, and I don't see how they can cover the interest. I cannot stress enough just how colossal this company is. It almost certainly needs Chinese Communist Party government intervention to stay afloat. There's just one problem. The Chinese Communist Party has suddenly started leaning into communism. For the first time in decades, they're communists. Talking about common prosperity, targeting the wealthy. I don't think that they'll let Evergrande, the enterprise, go under, but I wouldn't be surprised if they let the creditors and shareholders get crushed, including its founder, who was at one time, at one point, the richest man in China. If Evergrande collapses, then you have to hope that the fault stays in China, doesn't rock our institutions. Yes, this company is that big and that dangerous, okay? Now, after the close Monday, a little good news. We hear from one of my favorite home builders, Lennar, but it won't be interpreted as good because of the mindset we have. But we are going to get the true lay of the land from the excellent management team. I'm particularly tuned to what they have to say about shortages and about the demand for homes. We're going to have more on that later in this show with Builder Source, and uh, first Builder Source. And any waning in demand, well, I got to tell you, the market's not set up for waning demand. Lennar is that important to everything from retail to banking, to the whole work-from-home hybrid economy. Tuesday, we get two earnings reports, and I'm actually excited about them, but for different reasons. FedEx and Adobe. FedEx has gotten hit with a ton of negative commentary, which tells me that anything good will spur buying. I just don't know if they'll give us anything good. As for Adobe, well, what can I say? Adobe's become the true bellwether of the tech group. The stock's been on fire for ages, as it should be, because business is booming. They're now integral to e-commerce. I love Adobe suite of products. I don't know if they can make anyone be creative, but they can absolutely make anyone feel creative and express themselves. I, I'm not an ethereal, cosmic guy, but it's a good thing what they do. We've also got Workday's analyst meeting. Now, Workday last quarter was good. They talked about it on our show. My view, Chairman and co-CEO Anil Bushri wouldn't be holding one of these gatherings if you didn't have something good to reveal. So let's say we get hammered on Monday, get hammered on Tuesday. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll be able to buy this one lower. Wednesday's Fed Day, that spells trouble. Jay Powell tells us about the Federal Reserve's deliberations. The media has turned on this man big time. I almost feel like that they're tools for Wall Street now for the shorts. This is a seasonally negative moment. I think we have to expect the market will put a downbeat spin on whatever he says. Jay's incredibly thoughtful, not to mention much smarter than these people who watch him. So he'll no doubt recognize that we need to resolve the debt ceiling fracas fast, or U.S. Treasuries could get hit with another downgrade from the ratings agencies. Yes, this is what I'm telling you about. There's so much debt for sale ahead that Powell needs to reassure us that he's ready to actually provide liquidity if if talks break down. He also has to answer questions about the possibility of, yes, I'm hearing it all over the place, stagflation, where the economy goes nowhere, but inflation goes higher. Put it all together, and I expect this meeting to cause another wave of selling because there are just too many worries about a slowdown and too much worry about inflation to be able to get through this without a lot of selling. Thursday. All right, Thursday we got two huge quarters, Costco and Nike. I don't expect good things from either. Now, Costco's stock has been going up in a straight line. This is a company that gives you monthly numbers, yet the clueless always expect some sort of upside surprise. And then they sell the stock when they don't. No, you're just going to get a consistent number. And if that isn't enough for you, get out now. You really don't know what you're doing. This is a great company and a great stock. But short of announcing a special dividend or a price hike for their membership program, I expect the clueless to sell Costco, buy it after the quarter, not before. As for Nike, tough 
tough, tough. We keep hearing that its supply chain is in tatters because it sources 50% from Vietnam. Plus, some people are aware that Nikes may be the next product the government, Chinese government cracks down on. And expensive sneakers, they don't drive with common prosperity. Hey, they've been selling yesterday order for 15 straight points because they don't think there are a lot of people who feel that common prosperity doesn't like makeup. On the other hand, this thing has nine lives. Nike's too hard to short and too hard to go long. So how about we just be careful? Now, I know we're all worried about the Delta variant. How worried is Darden, the parent of Olive Garden, can give us a clear look into what the latest outbreak is doing to the economy? I trust them to say things that are better, but not perfect. I hope the analysts grill them about how hard it is for restaurants to get help right now. They tend not to ask that. What else? Now, if you ask me what's the most positive thing in this entire panoply next week, it's going to be this. It's going to be the Dell analyst meeting. I think Michael Dell will outline what his plans are to do for VMware, one of the reasons why VMware stock has been so soft, frankly. As far as I'm concerned, Dell is a genius, an honest man, a chattel man, and I think he is worth backing. I think he dazzles. So straight down, you can buy some Dell. All right? It's got to be straight down. Finally, on Friday, Jay Powell speaks again. Let's hope he doesn't have to do some sort of do-over for what he said on Wednesday. He has an encouraging story to tell. Once COVID runs its course, supply chain issues could go away. I don't think he'll use either Wednesday or Friday to lower the boom on us. But just remember, the bottom line here is that we're probably headed into a period of heightened negativity. 20 years worth of data says so. So I don't want you to be surprised if the market ends up putting up a very downbeat spin on what Jay Powell says and gives you still more one, reason, one more reason to sell. And until we lose the dip buyers, until we get really oversold on the S&P oscillator I follow, and we aren't, and until there are more towel throwers, how about bat on shoulder, and if you need a football analogy, throw it away lest you get picked off by the Bears. Harvey in Florida, Harvey. Jim, thank you very much for taking my call. My pleasure. I put um, Beyond Meat at 156. Should I hold a sell at this hey, it's time? It's not acting very, very well on a bad tape today. And uh, I think that, you, remember, we don't care where a stock's been. We care where it's going to. For that stock to act up $4 in this tape means something's good happening. I, can't, I, I need you to hold on to it. How about Jack in Connecticut, please, Jack? Hey, booyah, Jim, for an Action Alerts Club member in Connecticut. Oh, Thanks terrific. for your awesome perspective. Terrific. Thank you. Hey, so, Jim, as China makes a move to control semi-chips produced in Taiwan, potentially even with an invasion and to capture a global inventory advantage, as a club member with uh, investments in semis like Marvell, what, what ships, what should we primarily do with our investment there? And secondly, does ASML represent a risk-off investment for the semi-space? No, no, ASML is too volatile. I know that they're shut down by, you know, we shut the Chinese down from them. Look, I'll tell you what, Matt Murphy has created the best single play on both the high-performance computing and on 5G. That's why every time it gets hit, I tell you to be buy it because you're a member of the club, and I'm going to do the same. Now, uh, it can get hit, though. So if you think you can get out at 62 and get in at 58, I bless that. But that's a very tough trade to do. Can we go to Stephen in Connecticut, please? Stephen. What's going on, Jimmy? Ah, not much. How about you? Ah, still looking up the sun here in L.A. Hey, listen. Uh, I own Chipotle from like 1400 and it's getting a little pricey up here. And, yes. Uh, I'm kind of scared because, you know, it's got a low float and it goes in both directions really heavily. It's sky high, sky low. So I don't know. Do I take some chips off the table? Or All right. Now, here's the deal. Out? You know, I'm using a $2,000 price target. 
by using $2,000 price target, what I am doing is making it so people feel they can't take profits. I don't want to do that. You'd be very wise to take some off here if you feel like that you need to lock in a game. But I reiterate, I think you can go to 2000 All right, the amount of negativity in this market doesn't make for a great game plan next week. You know I'm negative. I've been saying it. People have been jumping all over, and that's okay, too. Remember, a market that's negative is also a market, though, that can be easily impressed if the stock's down a great deal. We have to keep learning and keep our eyes open. So on Man Money tonight, housing, let's keep talking about it. Stay in front of it. It's still hot. How is Builders First Source position to take advantage of the continued boom? Uh, I'm going to check in with the CEO first time. Then the September slump is rearing its ugly head, as I've been saying, but I'm finding a bright spot by giving you a shopping list to buy on the way down. But they're boring. They're real estate investment trusts. Boring is interesting right now. And with COVID cases continue to soar across the country, we got to go to Dr. Eric Topol. He's the only guy that I trust other than Dr. Gottlieb. They know the answers. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Resourceful small business owners know how to get value from the purchases they already make for their businesses each month. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits and features like four times membership rewards points that automatically adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. So you earn more where your business spends the most. Plus up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible business purchases at select shipping, food delivery, and retail subscription merchants. And with flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business and access to 24-7 support from a business card specialist, you can continue to run your business with confidence. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Enrollment required. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Last year, the pandemic kicked off an incredible bull market in housing, especially single-family housing. While there's still tremendous demand here, lately the home builders have been plagued by supply problems, raw materials, logistics, labor costs. They're all out of control. So what does that mean for the companies that actually supply the home builder companies? I'm talking about a company like Builders First Source. Now, this is an outfit that was created when the old Builders First Source merged with BMC. It's now the undisputed leader in the building material space, with a stock that's run from $20 last summer to $52 and change today. So could it have more room to run? And how about this industry? What's really going on? Let's check in with Dave Flitman. Dave is the president and CEO of Builders First Source. To get a better read on his business in the broader industry, Mr. Flitman, welcome to Mad Money. 
Hey, Jim, it's great to be with you. All right, so Dave, because I want people to understand the combination and what you do, first I'm going to give you the floor to describe to people where you are in the food chain and how actually you're like the big dog now in the whole group. Well, we are actually, and we're excited about our platform, Jim. As you said, the company's been reconstituted with the BMC DFS merger. Uh, we operate now 550 locations across 39 states. Importantly, now uh, we're in 84 of the top 100 MSAs across the country. About three quarters of our business, Jim, is linked to single family housing starts. Um, we're serving large production builders, we're serving smaller custom and regional builders. And importantly, we also have about 12% of our business in the multifamily arena and about 12% in growing in the repair and remodel space, particularly with pro remodelers. So I would tell you, we have a great sense of what's going on in the housing market. Uh, we're all over the country and we've got 27,000 associates serving our customers every day. All right. So, Dave, uh, two issues. One is, you know, I'm a huge because you watch the show. Your team does. Uh, you know, I'm a big uh, believer in a secular bull market in housing. But second, the thing that's holding it up is supply. They just can't get enough dishwashers, can't get enough windows, can't get enough doors. How did this happen, Dave? Great question. We've been living in this arena, Jim, for at least 18 months, probably a little bit longer. And uh, we had a real confluence of events uh, in early 2020 when demand was taking off uh, shortly before COVID hit. Uh, the country shut down for a short period of time, as you know. And coming out of that, we had two effects. One was the acceleration in single-family housing starts. But importantly, those who weren't buying a new home and were staying put decided maybe they needed a little more space or perhaps they needed to remodel their existing home. And so we saw a real uptick in the DIY business as well. And that confluence, coupled with our suppliers' impact from COVID as well, as they started to step on the gas and accelerate their production capability, Many of them were hit with COVID-related outages as well. And so you have all this coming together really at this time last year, and it just put a significant strain on the entire supply chain. And we're still living with that today. Now, you are making some digitization initiatives. We do not think of your industry as being digitized. It hasn't until you got started. Can that help us in terms of building more homes, building homes more efficiently? This country is dramatically underhomed. Exactly. And we think that's going to persist for a long time to come. But our, our strategy is simple. You know, we're working hard to get our customers what they need when they need it. And as part of that, uh, we're driving our value added capabilities. But as we step back and we thought about how can we make our interactions with our customers more efficient than they have been. And we did a little research and found out that there aren't many industries that are less digitized than home building today. In fact, I point to, uh, Agriculture and hunting is probably the two that are below us. And so we just saw a huge opportunity and really three key areas. Jim, first of all, we've got a lot of opportunity with digital just to improve our own operations internally. We've got, importantly, 700 designers in our company that go to work every day doing structural component design for our customers, be that roof systems, wall systems, and flooring systems. And every step of that process is pretty manual from the design to the estimating and the takeoff and visualizing that for our customers. And so we see a huge opportunity there, just getting more efficient at what we do. And then secondly, taking that to our customers. A lot of manual handoffs and files and things that you would expect, uh, and we can digitize a lot of that. And third, and importantly, we hope to get to this soon, is just helping our customers' interactions with their customers. 
helping that home buying process be a little more seamless. Than well, we sure so need that. because We see a long runway. And in fact, in, in the next five years, we think there's a billion dollar opportunity for our business. Well, good, because you're right. I mean, I have to tell you, to be honest, uh, Deere's done some stuff that is pretty amazing in terms of driverless tra- tractors, but homes, no. Now, this is, I want you to walk me through one. Let's, let's pick windows. Tell me why a commodity product made of the most uh, available material in the world is in short supply everywhere. Well, I think it goes back to what I described earlier. And whether it's windows or doors or lumber, we've heard a lot about lumber in the news. Those supply chain challenges has really impacted all facets of the supply chain. And uh, try as they might, the suppliers are working hard to catch up. But those labor challenges have persisted at a time where you know, kind of the acceleration we've seen in industry is unmatched. In fact, going into the pandemic in the first quarter of last year in 2020, we hit a million annualized single family housing starts for the first time in 14 years. And it's only gotten stronger since that point. And so the supply chain, quite honestly, just wasn't ready. And if they raise, uh, if frankly, the Fed raises rates to cool things down, what does that do? Well, I think obviously over time, you know, we're, we're operating in an environment now where we're just bumping off the bottom of historically low interest rates. Obviously, affordability has been a challenge, and you've heard a lot about that. Uh, we like our offerings. You know, the things that we do with off-site manufacturing helps make that whole affordability equation better. We're taking work off the job site, helping our builders with labor challenges and allowing them to be more efficient to deal with that. We think the labor challenges are going to persist for a long time to come. But back to your specific question on interest rates, we think there's a long runway before the affordability gets out of whack with interest rates. Obviously, there's a limit. I'd point back to the fall of 2018 when uh, the 30-year got above 4%, and we saw housing start slow a bit. I think given the underlying demand strength that we've got, Jim, uh, you know, we've got millennials in the marketplace now that 14 years ago weren't there. Uh, this industry is hugely underbuilt, somewhere between 4 and five and a half million homes. There is pent up demand for a long time to come. And so I think the interest rates are okay. gonna have to rise quite a bit to cool off. The All demand. right, that's good. I don't want this to end because it does put a lot of people to work, but you're right. I mean, right now cool. we're really strapped. Well, look, Dave, you've got a terrific vision on that. You've got a great handle on the whole group without necessarily trying to sell one housing group versus another. So I gotta thank you for that. This is, this is Dave Flitman, new guest, President CEO of Builders First Source, BLDR. Dave, thank you for all that education. We need it. Thanks a lot, Jim. Great okay. to be with you. Yeah, my back in. Coming up, Kramer gets real on real estate. Which REITs should you trust? Find out next. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.
As we head into the most difficult part of the seasonally difficult month, as I've been telling you, there are a lot of reasons to be worried about this market. We've got the troubled Chinese real estate market. I addressed that at the top. It could spread to the banking sector, even wreck the whole economy. We've got the potential for ugly earnings season, all these pre-announcements already, right? I mean, there's some disappointing numbers out there. We've got the possibility of a Federal Reserve-mandated slowdown. We've got supply chain issues, galore, inflation. Depending on how things play out in Washington, we could be looking at another bruising debt ceiling crisis. Holy cow, we can get a debt downgrade. I keep hammering home these negatives, but it's not because I want to scare you away from the stock market. I just want you to be prepared in case things go wrong like they did today. So how do you prepare yourself? Well, you need a list of safety stocks that can hold up as the market goes down that you can buy slowly. And that's what I'm doing tonight. What the heck can we even consider a safety stock in this environment? Many of the traditional safety plays that consumer packaged goods stocks, well, they're plagued by sky-high raw costs, steel cans, plastic bags, snarled supply chains. So tonight I'm going to focus on just one particular group that could prove more durable in this environment. I'm focused on something that I mentioned to my wife I was going to do. She goes, why are you torturing people? I have to try to help you make money. I'm talking about the Real Estate Investment Trust, or REITs for short. Now, we know the REITs have already done really well this year, in part because investors like to hold real estate when they're concerned about inflation. And if the market takes a more defensive posture over the next few weeks, as I said it will, I bet the REITs could do even better. And that's why I've produced a list of 10 Real Estate Investment Trusts that I'm comfortable with, 10 that I think are worth owning if the rest of the market gets it. And for, so help me, if your eyes glaze over here, I want you to get some darn Visine because these are the kinds of stocks you can buy into the weakness that we successfully predicted here. So I want to start with my favorite cell tower REIT. Remember, these are uh, owning wireless towers, great business. Once you put them up, well, you can lease antenna space to tons of additional cu- customers. And the carriers need a lot more bandwidth now that 5G is becoming the new normal. My phone continues to drop calls. It's difficult for me to even do business. I'm going to recommend two of these. First, there's American Tower. That's the most global play on cell tower real estate. 43,000 sites in the U.S., 171,000 internationally. Stock's been a fabulous long-term performer. We've backed it since it was in the 30s. It's already up more than 30% this year to date. The only problem, because the stock's had such a huge multi-year run, the dividend yield's now paltry, 1.78% compared to other REITs. Management's uh, incredible, consistent execution, though, justifies it. I think the stock's going to do fine, even without that layer of proportion of protection. But if you want more yield, then I'm going to give you the second one. It's Kramer Fave Crown Castle. The totally domestic cell tower REIT, which we've owned for the Chapel Trust since last December. We have a nice gain on it. After years of spending heavily to build out its network in more densely populated areas, Crown Castle has cut back on its capital spending dramatically. Now, the stock's lagged American Tower, uh, in part because the latest quarter was seen as disappointing. CCI gives you a more respectable 2.8% yield. Elliott Partners is in there agitating for more changes I think it could be sold. I just wish I knew it could buy it because there's antitrust issues galore. But you can pick either one of these. Third, now we get to talk retail. After roaring earlier this year, the mall and, and shopping center REITs have been trading sideways for the last few months. And that's Delta, right? My favorite assignment property group, SPG, that owns the best malls in America. When Simon reported in August, numbers were spectacular, making a fortune. Occupancy rates are improving. Funds from operations, magnificent. Sooner or later, I think this stock will make its next move higher. It's the cheapest it's ever been. Uh, you got a 4.6% yield, so Simon should please you if you need income. 
Fourth, there's Tanger Factory Outlet, which just bumped it, bumped its dividend. Uh, with this operates upscale outlet centers where you can get name brand merchandise on the cheap. Reported a beautiful quarter last month, and this raising the dividend uh, by 2.8 percent. I don't care. That gives you confidence. I know it's not 10 percent, but you get, now you have a 4.2 percent yield. That's very exciting. And remember, as Regina Gilgan, who's my executive producer, always tells us that you know everyone in good and bad times wants or needs a bargain. To some, some, yeah, there you go. She's got, she has nothing to lose but her chains. Fifth, in a world where, in a world where everyone's worried about tangled supply chains, you know, I got one for you. It was one of the best uh, rebounders after the, uh, uh, the Great Recession. Prologis. It's the real estate investment trust that leases fulfillment centers to the likes of Amazon, Home Depot, FedEx, UPS, XBO Logistics. Wouldn't you love that client list? Terrific e-commerce play. I've been recommending it for a long time. Now, only 1.9% yield is one of those REITs that tends to give you a great total return because the stock just won't quit. It's pulled back nearly 7% from its highs. That can be bought. Six is, is Equinix. This is a bunch of data center real estate investor trust. Remember, that's where all the like the web services are hosted. But this is the best in the group. You don't own it for the lead yield. Right now, it's a poultry 1.32%. You own it for the terrific growth of the data center business. It hit a new all-time high earlier this month, but it's now pulled back 6%. I think down 6 is a good entry point. Maybe you wait till down 10 because the yield's so small. But it didn't last long uh, when the last time they had one of these sell-offs because then I got a three-day rally back to its highs. Now, this thing's a buy into any meaningful pullback this has got probably, I think, the best growth of all of the ones that I am talking about. So those of you who are growth hounds, it's Equinix. Number seven, old friend of ours, Ventas. That's the healthcare, real estate, investment trust, senior housing communities, medical office buildings, research centers, even a few hospitals. Stock got crushed last year. COVID, very bad for business. They even had to cut the dividend, which did shock me. But this year, it's made a comeback. When we spoke to CEO Deb Kafaro last month, she told a great story. Ventus has used this tough period to consolidate the industry. There's not a lot of new house, uh, senior housing being built. That's great for her business. So even after the dividend cut, it's still got a 3.15% yield. But I got to tell you, it would not surprise me if Deb Kafaro raises the payout back to where it was. Don't wait for that if you want to own the stock because the stock will be much higher by then. Eighth is one, oh, it's a godsend. It's called Innovative Industrial Properties. It's a REIT that's a landlord for the medical marijuana industry with specialized greenhouses. This is the only cannabis name. Remember, we had that growth generation. We told you to get out in the 40s and 50s. Everyone got mad at me. That was a good call to do the sell here. This one, no sell. 2.6% yield. Pick and shovels play for cannabis. More importantly, been able to raise the payout for six consecutive quarters. Imagine how big that dividend can get if we ever legalize weed all over the country. Stop fooling around with the weed stocks. They're awful. This is the one to buy. Ninth is Iron Mountain. Now, here's a REIT that used to focus on physical record storage. You'd hire them to sit on your papers. But a few years ago, they embraced the digital future. Since then, Iron Mountain's built out 15 data centers across five countries, went from physical record storage to digital record storage. Stocks had a huge run up, more than 50% this year, but it's still got a monster 5.5% yield. I don't know what more you can ask, right? Stock is one of the most asked about on the lightning round, by the way. Finally, there's one that someone asked me about just last week. I thought I'd mention it again, Starwood uh, Properties Trust, the real estate investment of the offshoot of Starwood Capital. This is a leading financier of commercial real estate and infrastructure projects, as well as the owner of apartments, office buildings, and some other commercial properties. They're diversified enough away from office buildings, I'm not worried. I like Starwood Property Trust because I trust the chairman and CEO, Barry Sternly. This thing has a 7.75% yield, which would usually be a red flag. That seems like it's going to be higher. The dividend will be cut. No. 
I am not worried, since Wall Street has a habit of underestimating both Starwood and, crazily, Sterling. When the COVID crash hit, the stock plunged to seven and changed. 25% yield made it seem like a dividend cut was inevitable, but it didn't happen. Payout rock solid, something I rarely ever say about a stock with 7.75% yield, but that's because Barry Sternlick is rock solid. Here's the bottom line. We're in a treacherous moment here, and I think it's going to get worse over the next few weeks, as I've been saying. It's that way you, you know, if you want to have that cash that I told you to have and you want to put it to work, how about picking something with income? Here's your list. Again, I know they're not interesting. The last thing we want right now is interesting. Arnold in Pennsylvania, Arnold. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Arnold. What's up? Yes. Uh, first time caller, and I love your show. Um, Thank you. Today, the stock I want to ask you about focuses on investing and managing residential mortgage-related assets. Right. It is considered a real estate investment trust. Uh, before the pandemic, uh, the price was hovering as high as 16 to $17 per share. After the market crash, March of 2020, the price of this stock has never recovered. It's still approximately 30% below its high. And I just need your advice. The ticker symbol is N. It's too much much of a black box. I have been around the block enough to know that these companies that are in the lending portion of real estate and agency, not agency securities that they own, residential, this is just, believe me, this is a recipe for reaching for yield that's a mistake. Watch tonight's show. I got every one of my 10 that I've mentioned is better than what you just mentioned. I'm, I don't mean to pick on you, Arnold, but I've, I've, those companies have lost too much money, and I've got to protect it from that one, too. All right, we are in a seasonally difficult month, as I said. It started today. People got the jump on it earlier this week. I've said it's going to go lower. So now I'm starting to give you ideas that you can buy into the weakness. I've waited to the weakness to start. Now you've got it. That's why I'm recommending safety stocks. This is my real estate investment trust list. Many more coming up next week. They will get hit. They will go down. But you can start buying them. My Mad Money exclusive with Dr. Eric Topol's coming up. U.S. falling behind in vaccination rates. We're now down, like, we're like the 36th best. How pathetic. How do we fight COVID? Don't miss my exclusive. Then oil's been bubbling higher, but what if it just keeps on going? I'm going to discuss the possibilities and what has changed for the hot commodity. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. There are a few things more important to this market than the state of the pandemic. COVID cases finally coming down from their latest peak and all sorts of employers mandating vaccinations. Could the worst of the Delta variant be behind us? And after an FDA advisory panel voted overwhelmingly against a COVID booster shot for most Americans, but also emergency use for plus 65, what role would boosters play in our pandemic control efforts going forward? Should they even be called boosters? Ever since this pandemic kicked off our most trusted source, the most trusted source in this country, has been Dr. Eric Topol, maybe Dr. Gottlieb. Don't mean to slight him because I love him, too. Dr. Topol is a fantastic cardiologist as well as the founder and director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute, which is all about individualized medicine. Honestly, you should be reading everything he writes or at least what he tweets if you want to understand the current moment. His books are dynamite, too. Dr. Topol, welcome back to Mad Money. Great to be with you, Jim. All right. So, Doc, give us the state of play. We know that they had a, a vote that was ridiculous uh, first on Pfizer, and then they did a vote that, that should have come for. Just tell us what's really going on. Right. Well, last time we got together, we talked about we didn't have enough data for these third shots or also known as boosters. Pfizer was pushing them. But since that time, the data has become abundant and clear 
certainly for anyone over age 60. And as you know, the UK also started this week, anyone over age 50 with any vaccine. Well, Pfizer went ahead and put in a very aggressive full approval for boosters, third shots, uh, and that was what was considered at the FDA advisory committee today. And their proposal failed. There's not enough data for everyone age 16 who's had a Pfizer shot to get a third shot right now. But what did happen after that vote went down was regrouping age 65 and people who are at high risk for severe COVID. So that is what is what the uh, landed on as the uh, final determination for the vote, un- unanimous to go ahead. And we like that, right, doctor? We think that's good. Yes, because it gives medical interpretation. So, you know, if your doctor feels that you're at high risk and also the workforce of the healthcare, uh, there are many people who would be considered at high risk. So this is a good compromise. It's a moving target. Jim, we're going to get more data out of Israel, out of the UK and other places eventually a lot more people are going to need these third shots. That was always part of the plan from the beginning. Well, Doc, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Israel. We're seeing Israel apparently had the highest ever uh, cases of COVID, worse than any previous surge, despite more than, excuse me for reading, despite more than 80 percent of population vaccinated, most ad- ad- administered boosters. What, what is happening there? Yeah, that's a really important point. So first of all, a lot of people have the wrong impression about Israel of how well they're vaccinated. It's only 61%, not that much different from the U.S. at 54% of their total population. They got out of the uh, gates fast and they got people uh, with their second dose really fast, which as it turns out is the liability too, because then there's all this weaning that starts at four months. So the other thing is, so they have a lot of people unvaccinated. They got a lot of people who have waned because they're more than four months. And so that's where they have seen one of the worst Delta waves in the world. And so it's starting to turn around now, but certainly that that double hit of the waning plus leaving almost 40% of their people unvaccinated. Well, wow, that's much higher than I think people realize. The thing that really bothers me, Doc, I go back and forth. You, I read you on Twitter. We, we accept that it wanes. You gave us data on Friday. You published in the U.K. 65% after 20 weeks. You published that. For AstraZeneca, it sounds like the flu vaccine. These are something. You are an accomplished doctor. You put these up. And I am thinking, okay, well, now the medical profession has really got a, a point, man, to tell us things. And then I listen to the FDA or whatever. I can hear from the FDA because it's pretty close. It, never, it seems almost Alice in Wonderland versus what you say. You know, it's Jim, it's, it's amazing. There's a lot of happy talk out there yes. and it's, it's really not helping anybody. You know, we got to have the hard truths. And what it shows is we have more symptomatic infections starting around four to five months. It's going to affect all the vaccines eventually uh, because this was never really conceived as a two shot story. It was going to be three shots. And the hope is that that's going to be good for a long time, not just six months. And we'll only find out about that over time. Now, I know I was going back and forth with Dr. Faust at Harvard. and He was saying, Jim, you're too quick to want to have. I said, I'll get vaccinated every year. He goes, there's such a he said, Jim, be careful. It's such a thing called hyperglobulinemia, which he says is uh, it leads to an autoimmune condition if you give too many boosters. So, I mean, there are and he's a competent guy. And I know he follows you closely. So there are things where you can get hurt if you take too many boosters. Yeah, we don't have any evidence at this point for there being this uh, so-called 
uh, paradoxical effect. Right. Uh, it's known as ADE. We don't have any evidence for that. And hopefully that won't uh, crop up. Right now, we're hopefully only looking at this one booster, this one third shot. Let's hope that carries us. It certainly is possible. Once you get that memory of your B and T cells really up there, that could last for a long time. And the hope is that we're not going to see any variants worse than Delta that would pose our immune system a higher challenge. Let me give you one that is everybody talks about. Is there really any quantitative difference between Pfizer and Moderna? Well, there is a difference in the antibodies that are induced. Uh, they're about twofold initially more with Moderna. There's been a few studies recently to, to confirm that. The question, though, is uh, what about the length of time? There's new, one new study this week about Moderna that says it shows up by eight months, the same type of this attrition or waning. So the maybe what is going on there is, remember, uh, there was an extra week of spacing. And dose spacing is important. Pfizer was three weeks, Moderna four. Oh. And also that dose was over three times higher for Moderna. So it probably, the, the waning probably starts later, maybe five, six months, we'll have to see. But the same problem is going to uh, occur. And Moderna's already um, putting in for uh, the same third shot uh, with the FDA. So it's just a matter of when we get there. But it's inevitable. I know they're waving me off, but I got to ask this one question. You know, because I was speaking to you about when I went to Italy, uh, Green Pass. Okay, everywhere in Europe, you don't have it. Can't get in. Can't get to the supermarket. Can't go to the movies. Can't go out to a grocery store. Can't eat dinner. It's a simple thing. Everybody abides by it. They went from thirty percent vaccinated to about seventy-five. They're going to go hundred because you can't go anywhere without your darn Green Pass, which shows you've been vaccinated. Simple solution. Why can't we do it? I just don't understand it. It would help so much, you know, for air travel, trains, all the things that you just mentioned, Jim. We really need that. That's how we get our vaccination to the highest level, which is a big deficiency in the U.S. Well, I'm going to leave it there. I really appreciate it. When you told me you were going to come on, I just, I, look, what you're doing is so special, doctor. Just keep it up, okay? Oh, thanks so much. Your you're timing was exquisite today. All right. You're the best. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Eric Tobel, Scripps Research. Wait, if you don't, if you did one thing today, will you please follow him on Twitter? Just so you can be as educated as possible. Mad Money's back at Blue Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The lightning round is next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Let's start with Cordell in Ohio. Cordell. Thank you, Jim, for calling, for having me online. Um, the stock that I'm calling in is about a cybersecurity cloud computing. Um, I was wondering, um, is this a buy, ticker symbol PLTR? Palantir is a buy. They have special technology. I wish we knew all the contracts because it's involved with the government. A lot of it's black box, but they are a very good company, and I say you should buy Palantir. Scotty in Indiana. Scotty. Give me chill about the stock when it hit 52-week lows last August. Uh, what's your thoughts on LDS? Should I add to it? Okay, the only one you can buy of those is Win. Why? Because Win is actually $13 billion to make, and it's down to about, like, I don't know, like $9 billion. It's crazy. Uh, but LVS is too, is got too much 
in Macau and nothing anywhere else to speak of. Let's go to uh, Angela in my uh, daughter's old home state of Oregon. Angela. <laughs> Booyah, chill, man. Booyah. Hi, how you doing? I am all right. How about you? I'm great. Um, first time, short time. Uh, me and my husband, Mickey, love your show. Oh, and thank, thank you. you for all that you do. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, so the Biden administration is pushing for solar energy to power half of America's electrical grid by 2050. Right. My stock is Clearway Energy. Uh, connected with the uh, with the NRG. Yeah, I like these guys. It's got a good yield. I think the yield is safe, and you got a good stock. It's a great choice, and I always welcome all those kind words. Appreciate it. Can we go to our rule in Wisconsin? A rule. Thank you, Mr. Kramer, for you. everything you and your team do. Uh, first time caller, international as plus number. Excellent. I would like to know your thoughts on uh, energy transfer. Energy transfer is a recklessly run company. I'm always surprised that they haven't changed management. I really can't believe that they are still run by that same man. And what a shame. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. maybe oil really can stay above 70 bucks a barrel, kind of where it is right now. I figured that was the ceiling because Saudi Arabia has gotten this habit of releasing its reserves at these levels, effectively putting a lid on crude. So the Saudis sell here, the Saudis sell here, but they're not selling here. So I'm not so sure anymore about how I feel about this. Why? Because the big American oil producers in the Permian Basin, they've changed their behavior. Just in the last couple of months, in the, in the past, whenever oil got to these levels, they would start drilling like crazy. Recount would pick up. Not. They're not drilling like crazy this time. Even though the additional supply only would push these prices down, we're not getting the additional supply that I was expecting. This time, it's not happening. One by one, the producers keep telling us that they're being disciplined, which means not drilling so much. Today, we got the shocker of shockers. Diamondback Energy. They are doing a $2 billion buyback and accelerating into the fourth quarter. This is, what makes it so jaw-dropping? Uh, Diamond used to be the least disciplined oil producer. They're the last ones I expect to return tons of, cap- of capital to shareholders. Now, we're seeing similar behavior from Devon, very, very smart company, Pioneer. They're brilliant. Both have embraced generous variable, uh, variable dividends. But FANG, which is the symbol for Diamondback, I mean, holy cow. Put it all together, I think the U.S. will no longer play the role of swing producer that knocks pricing down with out-of-control production. These oil companies all have clean balance sheets. They could easily use the profits to drill, maybe drill. Instead, they're giving that money to you. It's a radical change that may lead to production shortfalls, something that would translate to substantially higher oil prices. Got to admit, I didn't see this coming. No, I'm not as bullish on oil as I am on natural gas. That could go to 6-7 this winter. Double what we expected not that long ago. That's all about supply disruptions, Hurricane Ida, liquefied natural gas being exported. Natural gas is much more expensive in Europe and Asia, but you need lots of infrastructure to ship it overseas. These companies, though, will all make fortunes. For the moment, though, it's oil that's front and center. And look, this isn't this industry it, it hasn't just gotten religion on returning capital shareholders. They've even got religion on global warming because of demands from shareholders that they leave a little less environmental destruction in their way. We got a good example on Tuesday. Chevron boosted its cleaner energy transition plan to $10 billion from $3 billion. Some criticize this plan as greenwashing, all about window dressing, Potemkin Village. I think that's dead wrong. 
the end of the day, Chevron's still in the fossil fuel business. But man, J.P. Morgan just downgraded the stock precisely because they're spending so much money on these green initiatives. Let me put it this way. You know this environmental stuff is real when Wall Street dumps your stock because of it. Still, what really matters is that Chevron, which already has the best dividend record of the majors, is now spending less on drilling than it might otherwise. And less drilling is very good for the oil market. Of course, none of this would matter. None of this. If the Saudi Arabians hadn't taken Aramco public, and that's a huge national oil company, now that it's publicly traded, they, they need to entice their shareholders. So they're offering a $75 billion in, in dividends. That's staggering. It comes at the cost of reduced exploration production because that $75 billion would have gone into that. In short, the industry looks very different than the last time the oil broke up above 70 right here. Plus, Mexico and Venezuela continue to see production declines. Those declines aren't being made up by any increases that you might see from Iraq or Iran. Futures market might be saying that oil should come down in the next five years, and it is. But it's easy to imagine big upside breakout if the global economy stays strong. So don't be surprised if the oil and gas rally has more legs than I thought going into this month. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.